Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to the FPL Optimized Podcast. This is episode number 61. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. As we're in an international break, we invited a special guest today, and I'm really excited about it. Welcome to the pod, Mark McGettigan, better known as the FPL General. Mark, it's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the pod today. I think most people know you, but for those who don't, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, hi guys, good to be here. Always, um, always very easy to say yes to a podcast guest appearance when I'm a mm-hmm. regular listener to the podcast anyway. So uh, first of all, right. thank you for all the amazing episodes so far. I've enjoyed probably most of the 60 episodes to this point. Learned a wow. lot from from you guys. Uh, just really like really like the the synergy that you both have together. So um, it's a it's a very difficult market to break into the fpl podcast market but you guys have have smashed it and uh and i and i hope it continues to episode 100 and even more but yeah i'm i'm mark fpl general as i'm better known i've been playing fpl for a very very long time almost too mm-hmm. long we were talking just before we started recording maybe i should consider yeah. retiring soon but uh when it pay the pays the bills it's it's tricky to retire so yeah, yeah uh FPL General on Twitter, all of the social media accounts playing FPL since the beginning. I think FPL in its current format started in 2002 and 2003. So I was, I think, 12 years old, 13 years old. It was uh, wow. just after the 2002 World Cup. I think it was the season after that. Okay. So Ireland were in the World Cup 2002. Uh, I think I played a fantasy game for that when I was young. And then my friend introduced me to FPL when we were maybe first year of secondary school. We were big championship manager players, so it was kind of an oh. easy transition over to to fantasy then. And uh, I remember the early days: you pick your team, and then you check on like Teletext or or C-Fax. Right. You're yeah. checking the scores to see. I always remember when when an Irish player scored, it, it would be green. Uh, so <laughs> players like Robbie Keane and Richard Dunn, and and good good memory. So yeah, I'm Mark. I'm. I'm I'm an FPL manager for for way too long and uh, managed to have some good seasons as well along the way, thankfully. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and I think as your general, your retirement package should be quite good. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. Well, that's probably different generals. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. I, I've often thought about obviously FPL content creation is my full time job. I spend I spend my weeks kind of helping people and guiding people and, and sharing my experience yeah. more than anything. And I've always thought it would be quite nice to just not play even just for one season but uh, still give the advice but i feel right. like that wouldn't go down too well in the community mm. for a start look at this guy he gives advice right he has subscribers but he doesn't even play the game but on the other hand i feel like if you give advice and you don't have a team yourself maybe the advice would actually be better because there's no bias mm. you don't own any of the players so uh you right. never know maybe one of these years i will i will sneakily not play in game week one yeah <laughs> I think Sirtop had the same consideration. You guys could start a consultancy firm or something. Yeah. <laughs> you should. <laughs> All right, but uh, that's great. Uh, thanks for joining, Mark. Uh, I think you know you're one of the legends in terms of FPL content creation, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. And yeah, we would like to understand a bit better how data and analytics uh, play a role in your decision-making, if they do at all. So that's one of the things we'll be discussing for sure. 
But uh, before we jump into it, Surtop, uh, how are you doing? Thanks again for covering the pod last week while I was away. <laughs> uh, your discussion with FPL Trout was appreciated by many people. Uh, how did you enjoy it? How do you look back at it? Yeah, I really enjoyed recording it. So we were on wildcards, which is especially you know relevant to many people who are also on wildcards. And you know, FPL content-wise, um, the listeners peak during the uh, preseason and also during wildcard times. And I was really sick, actually. I had some fever, um, so I was actually mm-hmm. sleeping even before the recording. I just woke up for the recording, but um, I wanted to you know, publish something for the wildcard and I enjoyed it. I mean, a wildcard process also went smoother than my previous years. Uh, like I used to spend too much time <laughs> on my wildcard, like running several scenarios, making sure that I have the perfect team, but it never yeah. goes well. Right. So this time, mm. uh, it, like, obviously we did some research, but not too much. So I enjoyed both wildcard process and also the episode. Okay, great. Well, yeah, I had to go to Switzerland last week for uh, for work, and on the way back, I was listening to the pot and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, it seems we found a nice additional format which we can call Surtop and Friends. <laughs> but uh, for today, I think it's more Bus and Friends because I think Mark, you uh, probably are more on the grass side of things, uh, aren't you? Yeah, I've always been more inclined to be a kind of grass fc as they call it nowadays the cool kids call it grass fc (laughs) i would call myself an an eye test first manager i've always been lucky enough to have lots of time to watch games Uh, i remember after i finished during university i used to watch a lot of games then i moved to moved to the middle east for two years i was in in abu dhabi Uh, and when i was in abu dhabi was actually the first time i had a a full proper sports package with all the games on on television and it was no coincidence that my FPL ranks really improved as I mm. as I started to watch more games and, and get a better knowledge of of the Premier League um, yeah. so yeah it's always been I've always found it the kind of more fun way to play is is kind of watching yeah. the games and and building my own narratives where whether they're always correct or not you know, it doesn't really matter too much to me, but it, it, I think it probably goes back to my days of of kind of playing computer games and Championship Manager and mm-hmm. being more of a kind of hands-on manager and, and making decisions myself rather than looking mm-hmm. looking elsewhere. But certainly as the years have passed by, uh, I give a lot more time to the numbers as well. I think it's okay. it would be silly not to. I, I don't yeah. think too many people nowadays play completely by not looking at any stats, given that there's so oh. many available um and 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 freely available in a lot of places and i think with developments with things like you know expected goals and everything Mm -hmm, i was quite mm -hmm. slow i was a bit of a dinosaur i was quite slow to Mm -hmm. to kind of go over towards expected stats but very much so now you know keep a close eye on things so i'm definitely still uh watching the games first and then it's a matter of of looking at the numbers afterwards to see if they match up uh, if you know maybe find some holes in my in my eye test or Mm -hmm. or the main thing is um you know, no matter how much time you have on your hands, you're not going to watch 10 Premier League games in right. one week. It's just too much. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you do need to lean on the numbers for, for the games that you don't see. So, yeah, very much eye test manager. Uh, but in more recent times, I've been, you know, looking at the numbers more. And yep. even though I'm an eye test manager, I really like listening to podcasts like this one because I'm always, I just love FPL and I'm fascinated with how many different ways there is to play the game. And I really like listen. I think it's healthy to listen to managers who play the game differently to you. 
And you can yeah. definitely pick up on little things that you might you might want to try for a season or two, or or it just makes you think slightly differently. So um, yeah. I think that's why I've enjoyed your podcast so much because it's maybe different to how I play the game, but right. I enjoy it as much as as any other podcast I listen to. Oh, that's great. That's nice to hear. And it sounds like you found a, a good approach then. Yeah. Okay, I think we'll talk a bit more about it later for sure. Um, but to start with, and actually I don't want to do it, but yeah, I have to face reality. Uh, let's take a look at how our teams performed in game week eight. Well, um, I finished the game week with 64 points. Let's start with the good. <laughs> well I mean, it was well a re really good game week for me. I was yeah. able to jump in the ranks. Uh, and also our head-to-head -head competition is 5-3 now. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, that's true. But like, I don't know, like this should count as maybe two or three scores, right? Oh, no, no, no. That's uh, not how it works. No, no. <laughs> Bas finished with 22 points uh, after taking yeah. a hit. Yeah. Um, and Mark got 45 points. Uh, lost, yeah. lost a little bit of rank, but still at 320, uh, 327k, which is much, much better than uh, Bas and me. Yeah, and you used your wild card, right? And Mark yes, and yeah, I, I forgot to mention I used my wild card. Yeah. yeah, that's why you can even like see on the graph if you're uh, watching that um, fixtures for my players were better in general. Well, yeah. wild card helps you with yeah, that. No. Well done, Mark. Were you happy with your score? Uh, I, I wouldn't say I don't think you're ever happy if it's a red arrow, but considering no. I didn't have Mohamed Salah. In a very nice right. fixture against yeah. Brighton, I, I was kind of expecting a red arrow, uh, especially when I took my f that was my first hit of the season. So I I brought in Matty yeah. Cash and Jared Bowen, okay. as well as Youngman Son as part of a minus four. So I kind of knew Cash and Bowen didn't have fantastic fixtures in the short term. So I wasn't expecting right. a, a green arrow. It's kind of more of a long term, mm -hmm. two long term transfers because I'm not planning to wild card. Uh, soon I, i'm probably going to keep it for longer which i'm sure okay. we can talk more about later but um yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know some weeks in fpl i i kind of just go in like with low expectations especially after a minus four and if i can yeah. come away even just with a small red arrow hopefully in the long term i'll just make those points back so yeah never nice to get yeah. a red arrow going into an international break you have to stare mm -hmm. at it for two weeks but um <laughs> but overall after eight game weeks the first two or three weeks were pretty difficult. So mm -hmm. 327k, if you offered me that game week one in game week eight, absolutely. I'm I'm very happy with how the season is going so far. Yeah, no, you should be. Yeah. Yeah, and a bit same to your uh, uh, expectation for the, the game week. Also for me, you know, I wasn't expecting too much, but, <laughs> you know, I didn't also expect 22. So I had 26 points, but I also took a hit for, uh, I also brought in cash actually um, for a stupid and so a minus four. Yeah, and just across the board, nobody really scored points. So then you end up with uh, 26 minus 4, it's 22. Well, you know, it happens. And actually, there was a nice discussion on Twitter um, as FPL Chase, among others, said that, you know, people like me or let's say people who had a bad game week, we shouldn't blame ourselves for it as, you know, after all, it's fantasy. <laughs> we cannot really control what the players are doing. But on the other hand, I think, you know, we spend time on it. We, we consider the options. We make a decision. So then, of course, I think it's quite natural when you, that, that you feel bad uh, or maybe even blame yourself if a decision doesn't work out. So, yeah, 
that's 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 how it went. Um, how do you look at that, Mark? Um, how do you cope with bad game weeks? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's something you have to kind of get better at as you as your mm. FPL career progresses. I think if I think back uh, in my earlier years as an FPL manager, I probably didn't cope very well with bad game weeks, and maybe I would overreact straight away. Yeah. Maybe minus four or play a wild card when I shouldn't play a wild card. But you learn over time that no matter how much time and preparation we put into this game. Anything yeah. can happen on Saturday and Sunday. You can have yeah. a beautiful team on a Friday night. And as you've seen this week, 22 points, and you're just, you're left scratching your head and thinking, what's the mm-hmm. point, you know? But I, I've been there. I, I I specifically remember scoring 19 points in a game, week, which is even more <laughs> impressive than yours. Yes. Uh, and I just, I just, you just have to basically laugh it off. It's, it's almost yeah. an achievement in itself. It's, you couldn't <laughs> yeah. score 19 points if you tried. So <laughs> I take it as a, a little badge of honor. Um, yeah. You know, I'll take it to my grave. One time I scored 19 points in a game week. <laughs> you think about it, if every player plays twice, including the captain, you should be on 23 or 24, you know, before a yeah. ball is kicked. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just, um, it's the, you just don't overreact. You take it on the right. chin. Yes. You just remember it's not, you didn't have any control, even though you feel like you have control because you picked the mm. team. But mm. I always say the same team next week, or yeah. in two weeks can score 82 instead of 22. And then yeah. you're thinking, ah, yeah, that is a good team. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's just FPL. We all we all have bad game weeks. I always say as well, the, the, the person who wins FPL this season, they'll have a few bad bad game weeks. Um, yeah. they, we all have them. It's just the, the key not to overreact. It's always harder yeah. in an international break because yeah. you have two weeks <laughs> to look at it, but uh, <laughs> just, just don't yeah. even log in. Well, actually, to your point, the team looks quite good for game week nine. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm staying confident. And uh, yeah, also, and I mentioned before the pod, actually, the bad score didn't affect my mood too too much. So that was an achievement, I thought. So uh, then, yeah, you know, it's a game. Uh, and I think, Surtop, I know already, I think, how you think about it. Because <laughs> also in the last uh, podcast, you compared it to a game of Monopoly. I think, you know, by that saying yeah. that it's more about luck than skill. That That's how you look at it, right? Yeah, especially for short term. I mean, it is. We often say it is similar to rolling a you know dice, uh, and like there's there might be a big chance of getting you know multiple like double digit scores from a player like Holland, but there's always a chance mm-hmm. of blanking, which happened this last game week. So I mean, so the chance factor in general is there, especially for yeah. if you are looking at a single game week, which we often do. Like we often yes. evaluate our single game week. Which makes right. it really difficult, but you know stuff like yeah. picking a wild card team or even like a game with one team or having yeah. a transfer. Most of these things we are doing it for long term, so evaluation yeah. should be based on a little bit long term. Yeah, short term game weeks are more about luck, but yeah, yeah. I, it's, you know sometimes maybe I exaggerate a little bit. So there is definitely um, skill playing a role, especially long term planning is a key concept that's why i i try to use optimization in the first place um because i i think there is value in it but yeah i mean i i tend to overreact if i have a bad game week so that i i try to stay away (laughs) okay now it's a good point again when you say about thinking about the long term right because now yeah you wildcarded looked good for this week but it doesn't mean that this is now the proof that it was the right yes. time to wildcard right because yeah you never know what can still happen in, in the next game weeks and 
it might be a benefit for managers like Mark and myself to to still have our wildcards. Let's let's see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that covers game week eight, um, and maybe it's a good moment now to take a brief look back at those first eight game weeks, as we're in in uh, the international break. Indeed, we have a bit of time to reflect on things. So. Um, I was thinking maybe we can mention something that worked well in our teams and also something that didn't work at all. Mark, can you start with that one? Yeah, sure. So um, it was good to get some of these questions beforehand. I was It, it forced <laughs> me to do a bit of a reflection on the season so far. I, I always think yeah. like eight game weeks is a nice time frame to, to reflect. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. when I start to maybe look at the numbers with a bit more in a bit more detail, just, just natural. Eight weeks right. is a lot better than four or three or whatever. So I made a couple yeah. of notes, um, things that worked well, just briefly. I, I probably have more things that didn't work well. I think that's just human <laughs> nature. You pick, you remember mm. the bad things and you pick out the bad things. So um, things that worked well, um, keeping Ollie Watkins worked well. Mm. Uh, I've had him from yeah. game week one and it was there was a lot of temptation to sell him a few times, but mainly because of other issues, I didn't sell him. But also he was yeah. ticking along, he was getting assists. And yes. I kind of got to the stage where I, I thought if he keeps getting the assists, then he adds the goals, he's going to be good. So yeah. that paid off with the, the major, you know, 23-pointer a few weeks ago. It, it really, yeah. you know, it kick-started my season big time. So that was good. It just shows you, you know, a bit of patience. If the fixtures are good, if they're getting yeah. a few points, you know, you don't need to sell them. Buying Trippier recently also went well. I got him at a good time. I think he got 30 points in two game weeks after I bought him. The goalkeepers have done well also. I, I'm on the Johnston and Turner combination. Now, Johnson's the joint top scoring goalkeeper with Leno, but I haven't got every single point. You know, he, I benched him for the Manchester United clean sheet and things like that. Yeah. But overall, right. I'm quite happy to own Johnston, and, and he, he may just yeah. stay as my as my long term goalkeeper. Uh, then one more one more thing that went well. Uh, I say went well. Uh, one more thing that I got very lucky with was Gusto off the bench, game week three for 14 uh, points. It was hmm. one of the weeks where one of the things that didn't go well was. I went with Gabriel game week one. I didn't have time to right. change it before the deadline. But then FPL has a funny funny way of working. There was a week where Gabriel was on the bench. Arteta yeah. didn't bring him on. And then I get lucky with Gusto 14 points from the bench. So that was a good one. Yeah. Some other things that didn't go well, I think overall... Sorry, strategy... maybe to interrupt because you mentioned Watkins. You stayed patient, but you also stayed patient with Gabriel, right? So that, I think that one also worked out quite well. Yeah, it's... um. It's funny how FPL works. You know, you get three weeks mm -hmm. of Gabriel, no starts. Yeah. It makes sense to sell him. But again, like right. Watkins, I always just focus weakest link. I had injuries. Yeah. I had other issues. And yeah. then, you know, uh, Thomas Party picked up an injury. Gabriel came back in. Right. And then it's like the last couple of weeks has been good because I think it's three yeah. clean sheets in the last four. And again, yeah, and, uh, I hear now a lot of people mentioning him again to considering to buy him, right? So um, I think it's... It's good that you that you kept him. Yeah, it feels good to own him when you when you hear about other people now recommending him <laughs> yeah, in wild yeah. cards. It's uh, yeah. it's come full circle with Gabriel. We could we could write a book about the season of Gabriel yeah. in the first eight game weeks, but that that worked um, well. Uh, and again, yeah, it was great. more about other issues, and then a bit of patience obviously gets rewarded as well. The right. other thing, I think, one of the things that didn't go well in the first mm -hmm. few weeks was. All of preseason, I was three five two. Every single draft was three five two. I think mm. it was only maybe twenty four hours before the deadline in game week one. I changed to three four three with Joe Pedro, Joe Pedro ah. instead of Matoma as my Brighton attacker, and right. it, it created a lot of problems for me over the next few weeks because I 
I couldn't get to like Mbumo and some of the others, couldn't get to uh, Matoma easily. So uh, I think a lesson for me is if you're if you're on a certain kind of draft for most of mm -hmm. preseason, don't mm -hmm. change it at the you know eleventh hour because it created a few problems. But it's funny then. Only recently, it's probably played into my favor because if I had three five two from the start, I probably wouldn't have Ollie Watkins because right. then I probably have Alvarez and Holland. Uh, right. You know, I probably would have went Jackson to Alvarez, and and Watkins probably wouldn't have came in. So it's it's you know it's like a domino effect in FPL. Every decision mm -hmm. can have an impact like five or six game weeks later. So I didn't I didn't like my last minute decision to change formation, but. It's funny how it's kind of actually worked out more in more recent times. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. And about the goalkeepers, actually, also an interesting point. So, do you? How do you look at that one now? Do you? Are you? Yeah, because a lot of people say the rotating goalkeepers it looks interesting on paper, but often you know it doesn't work. And I think probably that that's what you experience as well. Yeah, during during my time in FPL, I I don't like rotating goalkeepers. I no. say it every season. Um, just no. pick a four point five and play them every week. And I yeah. I was baited into the the rotation myself this season. I Turner was a playing goalkeeper, so we had to yeah. choose him. Uh, yeah. And I and I thought to myself, I really will only use him if the fixtures are really really good. Uh, right. Like for example, bench Johnson for Manchester United. Turner yeah. had a better fixture, and then Johnson gets a nine pointer. Going yeah. into game week nine. I, I don't really want to use Turner anymore. I want to play Johnston in every in every fixture, yeah. even if it's a difficult one. But yeah. when when Turner plays Luton and mm. Johnston plays Newcastle, I think yeah. you have to play Turner in that kind of yeah. fixture. So yeah. it's funny. Part of me part of me wants Turner to lose his place so I can just play Johnston every week. Because <laughs> then I avoid then I avoid so the frustrating weeks when there is 10 points on the bench. So yeah. Uh, yeah. usually I don't rotate goalkeepers, but I think yeah. it was different this year because when you have a 4 million option, it's yeah. it's easier to rotate 8.5 million instead of 9 million. So, you know, you're not wasting yeah. any cash. Yeah, no, good point. All right, thanks for that. Sertop, how do you look back at your first eight game weeks? Um, My first eight game weeks, I mean, the season started pretty rough i will say i mean i mm. had both richardson and gabriel who lost their places yeah. in the uh, starting lineup and richardson kept blanking well i couldn't sell him easily because i had some other moves to do um so yeah i think decision wise i think my decisions were not too off mm. but yeah. yes you know, conditions force me to play a little bit suboptimally, and also I started the season with James. Um, but last yeah. uh, maybe two game weeks, or maybe even like three game weeks, things are going better. Uh, mainly mm. because I had, I was able to actually utilize the double game week a little bit better than most people. I got Morris captain him yeah. in game week seven. Yeah. I also got Doty, and. Um, and also now I'm on my wild card. I was able to get Salah and captain him uh, in, yeah. in game week eight. Uh, yeah. So those things worked well. But now that I'm comparing my, like where my points are coming from versus where Mark got his points, the biggest differences are, I mean, in terms of like play minutes, the points it brings, there's not a big difference. But the clean sheet, so I got, I was able to get only 35 points until this point uh, from okay. clean sheets, but. Mark got 58 points. And ah. it actually shows I had three defenders since the start of the season, but my defenders were a little bit weaker, uh, and I invested more in my uh, midfielders. 
-hmm. So I got more points from my midfielders as opposed to my uh, like defenders. So I, I had like in my team of the uh, season so far, I have Gabriel, Diaz, and Dodi, and and mm. the goalkeepers. I was also pretty unlucky. I rotated Pickford with Turner for the most of the season so far, and then mm. I got Ellison for the wild card. None of oh. them kept a clean sheet. I always got either two points or one points, uh, depending on the game week. And only, yeah. you know, only the week that I got more than three points was Kaminsky for the double game week. He got four. <laughs> so it wasn't even oh, like okay. a clean sheet at the end of no. the day. So, Sir Talp, you, yes. sorry to interrupt. I'm just, you must have really enjoyed Pickford's clean sheet in game week eight. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was, was about to say crying. the same. <laughs> I was crying. And people were saying yeah. things like, I'm glad I kept Fickford and then I trusted yeah. him. And I'm like, like, this is the game week I sold him. And the same thing happened with Richardson. The game week I sold him, yeah. he got an assist and a goal in, in right. additional time. So it was, you know, FPL in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, I also got only 45 points from uh, assists, but Mark got 87. So only thing oh, wow. that I have better is goals. I got 169 points from goals. Mark got 138. So I think okay. I was able to maybe get uh, players who's, well, who are who were maybe more likely to score, but less likely to get yeah. assists. And rest of the stuff looks the same. But yeah, I think defenders and goalkeeper killed me big time this season so far. Yeah. But maybe it will change. We will see. Okay. How was yours? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, talking about goalkeepers, I'm still on Onana, so <laughs> that hasn't been great uh, either. But I'm keeping the fate, you know, it's Sheffield next. So, yeah, I feel like I need to keep him. But uh, no, looking at the first eight game weeks, I think my first six were not too bad. I mean, nothing spectacular, nothing uh, spectacular, but... Uh, my, what I also said here in the poll, my my aim was to stay close to the field, so I I didn't you know want to do too uh, strange things there, and I think I managed it quite well. I was around one million OR um, after six game weeks, but yeah, that then the last two game weeks didn't go well, uh, didn't go well at all, I should say, <laughs> um, and I think it's because I sacrificed going for. Or, yeah, so I didn't go for the better players. Like, you know, I wanted to go for Trippier and Watkins. Um, so, I, you know, I knew they would do well, but I settled for the cheaper options because I had in mind, like, okay, I want to save some budget so I can bring in Salah later uh, without having to wildcard. So that was a bit my plan. And, yeah, so far it didn't work out that well. Trippier got a lot of points, Watkins as well. Um, and of course, it's always easy to say these things in hindsight. But uh, yeah, as I said earlier, comparing the two scenarios and comparing, you know, looking at the decision I made, uh, I'm clearly much behind now in terms of points uh, comparing to where I could have been. But uh, yeah, I still have the wild card. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. And I think I'll just need to start rebuilding from here. And uh, luckily, we are in the international break. I'll try to enjoy it. Wearing my uh, Dutch national shirt again. <laughs> I was going so to ask you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, an away shirt um, from a long time ago again. So I'm uh, you know hoping which Dutch team. No, I'm thinking to look. I should have looked it up. So I'll, I'll do that afterwards again. <laughs> Put it on Twitter. Uh, 
so yeah, I'll, I'll try to enjoy that. And as, as we're doing now, reflecting on the first eight game weeks and trying to come up with a plan for uh, game week nine and onwards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, talking about that international break, uh, Mark, how do you typically use it? Um, I think, I guess it's probably not so easy for you to fully switch off as, as your followers are expecting to still receive content from you. But I guess you're a bit less active now. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I do try and switch off a little bit. Um, you, you did touch on the main point there. It's when you've got subscribers, you, you almost feel you almost feel guilty if you if you do switch off because you know they're they're paying you a, a monthly subscription. You want to give them some content, so it's it's very much just like a reduced schedule. But I still like to get some some content out there, and I like to use international breaks to do some you know slightly different things that I wouldn't do in a normal game week, like. This week I'll do a, like a stats podcast from the first eight game weeks, whereas usually I wouldn't really bother with a stats podcast during mm-hmm. during the weeks, just because yeah. there's a bit more time and it's nice to fill it fill it with something different. So um, yeah, I try I try to switch off during the breaks, but um, even if I wasn't a full time FPL content creator, I would still find it hard to switch off. I think because those of us who take FPL seriously, we're always keeping a close eye. We're keeping you know which players are pulling out of the international games. Which players are playing in the international games? Are they picking up some yeah. injuries? How is that going to impact my decisions for the next game week? There's yeah. always things you can do. You can look at the fixtures. You can look at the stats. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I definitely don't switch off completely. I do try, and I, and I always find the first couple of days of the international break, I'm still switched on. But it's only when it gets to like maybe Friday, Saturday. There's no deadline. There's no Premier League games, and and then I can actually really enjoy the weekend, right. and then you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're kind of back in the swing of things preparing for the yeah. next game week. So yeah. I do, I have to say, I really enjoy international breaks now. I, I used to hate them because you just want more and more game weeks to get to, to get the points and get the green arrows. But yeah. when you're a content creator, it's quite nice to have a to have a breather. And I, I like it this yeah. season because it's been perfectly split into uh, three blocks of four fixtures right. with, the, yeah. with the international breaks. So it's been it's been quite easy to plan content and stuff around that. So it's been, it's been okay. quite nice. Okay, great, good. Okay, well, now usually in our pods, uh, we look at a lot of data to prepare for the next game week. And of course, we'll do that again uh, in the next uh, week's episode, which will be a regular episode. Um, it's better to do it then because, we, of course, we can use the latest data. But one thing we wanted to do today is to look at uh, the top players in terms of expected value let's say from a data point of view, so we can compare it uh, to your watch list, Mark. I think that can be maybe a nice way to to see how the data compares to, uh, yeah, how, how you are scouting, let's say, for, for the best players. So, Sertal, maybe you want us uh, to, to take us through the list? Yeah, sure. Uh, for this game, we, we normally check the ensemble uh, model, uh, as you might know, yeah. but... Uh, not all models are updating through the international break. Maybe they will update next week. So I just uh, grabbed the top 10 players from FBI Reviews website. Uh, so mm-hmm. these are the top 10 players by expected value for the next 12 game weeks. So we have Salah okay. with 70.9 uh, expected value over 12 game weeks. And then we have Holland. Despite having a blank in game week 18, he is uh, second. Mm-hmm. Then we have Son, Odegaard, Saka. And then mm-hmm. we have Rashford, Watkins, Madison, Bruno Fernandez, and Mubemo. And mm. so, so the EV changes between 70 
51.9 for Salah and then the lowest in this list is Mubemo 51.5 um, so there's a little bit of a difference that's why most of the well the a little bit optimization based managers went with Salah and they picked actually they went with no Holland route but mm, yeah as you see right. Holland is expected to get uh, expected to be the top uh, like captaincy option in a few game weeks so that's a little right. bit worrying for for me but yeah i would like yeah. to also hear mark's what mark is thinking yeah it's interesting because you have the you have the Haaland worries and i look at this chart and i have the salah worries it's like like a lot of people have said it's the season of fomo we we can't have mm -hmm. every player yeah. some managers right. obviously have salah and Haaland, but I agree with you, Sir Talp. You know, your wildcard didn't have Haaland. Um, if I built a wildcard for game week 8, 9 or 10, I think it would be one or other rather mm -hmm. than having both players because I just like I just like the spread of cash and I've, yeah. I've benefited from it with being able to have Watkins and Trippier, for example, over the last few weeks. And mm -hmm. when yeah. something's worked for me, I, I'm not going to be in a rush to change it. So yeah. looking at that, obviously, I don't like not having Salah. I wish I had him, especially with the fixtures. We know he's a good captaincy candidate in certain game weeks. But I'm still just going to keep the faith with, with Erling Haaland. Um, you know, he'll be my captain definitely in game week nine and game week 11. Um, there's a possibility of a Saka captaincy maybe in game week ten, mm -hmm. but even even Haaland against Manchester United, I'm I'm not too concerned if if I need to go there if there's still some issues with Saka. So yeah, yeah just in terms of the list, um, comparing it to my watch list, I think I've got around nineteen or twenty players on my watch list at the moment, and there's yeah. always there's always um, pretty similar names on my watch list as you'll find in in, in models and stuff like that. The mm. only things I'm seeing here that are different from mine. The only player I think that is not in my team or not on my watch list is Rashford. And that's just because mm -hmm. I've just sold him. Um, yeah. If I sell a player, I, I usually don't add them straight back to my watches because it's unlikely I'm going to buy him like straight away in one or two game weeks because yeah. I'm going to target like uh, Saka, who I sold. I'll, I'll buy him back before Rashford. I would buy Odegaard back before I would buy Rashford, for example. So elsewhere mm. on the list, I own quite a few. Haaland, Son, uh, just sold Saka, but I want to get him back and give me 10. I own Watkins, mm. Madison, Bruno. Don't have him Bumo and haven't had him all season. Uh, mm. And it's interesting to see him there because obviously I think, you know, started the season very well. Yep. Five blanks in the last six game weeks. But in my mind, much like the analytics managers, I still think he's a good pick, even though mm. his... You know, FPL returns haven't been there. Um, he's still on my watch list, even mm -hmm. even despite the blank. So it's uh, it's interesting to see him in the top ten. Yeah, yeah, especially given the blank in game week eighteen, uh, and also he has the highest points per price. Uh, like he's mm -hmm. very cheap for the expected value we expect him to bring. Like he's just below Bruno Fernandez, and there's only two EV across twelve game weeks, but the 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 price is much cheaper. So on he's your, a great on your um, on your wild card setup. I know you have you had in Bumo. Did you? That that's a good example. I think of of when you're following a model and you have a player that's maybe not performing as well as you would like in FPL. Did you find do you find those decisions difficult? Like if in Bumo blanks mm. four and five, do you find it hard to include him in the in the wild card then? Um, I think it depends whether the underlying performance was there or not. Uh, like for example. Yeah. 
Nico Jackson also blanked and Richardson also blanked, for example. And if I am on a wild card, if model is recommending both of them, I think I will be more worried about maybe Richardson because his XG wasn't that good. I mean, mm. for Jackson, he was in he was getting into good positions. He was collecting XG, and I expect him to actually you know start scoring at one point and then get return loss of points. So. Yeah, I think it depends whether I truly believe the... Well, I don't want to say the ability, but like often like for players like Mubemo, even if he keeps blanking, uh, but he puts a good performance, like at least that's what the data says, you know, I will mm-hmm. be confident to bring him back to my team. But if he's also not generating XG or XA or is his like post-game week expected points are like all over the place... Then I will be worried that the model maybe is not picking up the, um, you know, maybe the new position. So it, it also happens. Like some models assume that this player always plays, let's say, like central forward, but he's now a left winger, so that his output is greatly impacted, but the model is not seeing it yet. So uh, I think FBI Review is doing a very good job with these uh, updates, the positional updates. But yeah, yeah, it's always good to have a you know eye on those. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's a good point. And uh, you mentioned players like Richarlison and Jackson. If the thing about mm-hmm. someone like Mbumo, and I guess it's why he also appears so highly, you don't, you never have to worry about his minutes. You know, yes. mm-hmm. Richarlison has competition, Jackson has mm-hmm. Broja competition, and mm-hmm. also Mbumo has penalties and the other guys don't. Yeah. So uh, it's no surprise yeah. to see him here. Yeah, uh, models usually like penalty takers, and it, it was even a running joke at the analytics Discord. But yeah, penalty takers especially get a huge boost of expected value. So, like, even, you know, some of the split decisions are shaped by the, by, like, who's taking the penalty on this team. And then that was a concern for Arsenal because we, we weren't sure who was actually taking the next one. So it impacted Saka's EV, for, for example. Yeah. Okay. While listening to you, I might be the only one going for the Salah Haaland combo. So maybe that's how I can, uh, make up some lost ground <laughs> but, but to your point mark and as i covered it earlier you just need to sacrifice somewhere else so i'm not sure if it's the best strategy but it feels like i'm kind of uh you know i went a certain way <laughs> so i need to stick to it but let's see all right interesting discussion and i think it's a nice segue to talk a little bit more about your management style uh, mark i think you talked a bit about it already uh, that you're more a grass manager but you started to use more analytics as well so how how did that evolve you know what was the evolution during the, the late the last seasons yeah i think um in particular during the the pandemic and the COVID seasons I probably, like everybody, spent a bit more time on FPL just to escape yeah. from the realities of the world. And that's when I probably started to dip my toe in a little bit more to the analytics side of things. And it's more more just to get a, you know, a broader understanding of what people are doing because we've seen an increased use of models and algorithms and all that kind of stuff. So I just yeah. wanted to see what it was all about, see if it was something I would use in my kind yeah. of overall strategy and making decisions. So I think, you know, things like, I think the first thing I, I signed up to was Mikkel Tokfum's Patreon algorithm. Mm-hmm. So I think I tried that for maybe right. one or two seasons. Mm-hmm. And then FPL Review, I think maybe two seasons ago, mm-hmm. I, I subscribed to the, you know, the the the, the top tier subscription. So I've only I've only 
use the FPL review properly for one season with a you know a paid subscription. Uh, Mikel Talk Farms for a couple of seasons and, and just a couple of other things maybe that are free or whatever. Um, and what I found was I would do my usual thing. I would watch the games. I would have a look at some of the basic stats, you know, your chances created, your shots in the box and, and all that and some of your expected stats. And then I would have a look on a Friday, maybe on a Friday night just before I make my decisions, have yeah. a quick look at the algorithms, have a quick look at FPL review. Is it the same as what I'm thinking? If it's yeah. not, quite simply just ask myself why and do I agree, do I disagree? So it was nice. I found it quite nice to try these things, but yeah. I also found that it just didn't match up with my style of management. You know, I've been playing FPL for such a long time. Right. I like the way I make my decisions watching the games and, and maybe not going too in-depth into numbers and algorithms. And I just don't like the idea of you know, me not making the decision. And I know you still have to go in and make the transfer, et cetera. And I I respect the way analytics managers play the game. I think it's a very, very good way to play the game because it takes, in a way, I think a lot of analytics managers have an advantage over me because it takes the biases away. It takes all mm-hmm. your previous experiences with players and stuff like that. And you just play it in a much more kind of cold robotic fashion which can definitely be effective but for me i just i just prefer to kind of come up with my own narratives and and, you know build my own stories about players and and just back my own eyes and i i know that numbers are probably better than my own eyes but it's the way i play the game and i think you can play it just as effectively both ways um i don't think i've I've had one bad season in the last 10 so i think what i'm doing is fine um, yeah. And I don't really see the need to change, but I think it's important if you, you know, as an FPL manager, you can't just be stubborn and like not move with the times. If there's new information, mm. like expected data, you know, don't yeah. be a, don't be stubborn and you know check it out. And you might use it, you might not use it, but um, overall, I like I said, I'm just fascinated by the way analytics people play the game, and I really enjoy analytics podcasts and what you know watching the transfers that analytics managers are making because they're often quite different mm. to what i do okay. okay cool yeah i think i have a follow-up on that um so some people are arguing that data or analytics or i should maybe say the algorithms or algorithmic play are ruining the fun of the game because you're kind of following an algorithm and what algorithm is suggesting compared to what you have been doing, like watching the game and then picking your players that way. And so do you agree that it is kind of ruining the fun, not only for the players who are using analytics, but also for players who are not using it? And also as an additional question, as a content creator, like do you see the rise of uh, analytics or like the wide usage of analytics as a threat? Yeah, good question. Um... Absolutely not ruining the game. I mean, I, I think it's a good thing. I think the more the more different ways people play the game, I, I see it as an extra challenge in, in every game week and every season. I want to try and and I've now got analytics managers that I want to test myself against and, mm-hmm. and beat them with my own style of play. I think anybody who complains about it ruining the game, that's that's just rubbish because all you need to worry about is your own team. And if you're <laughs> concerned about what other people are doing it's probably more something you need to look at yourself um that goes for life in general i think if you're if you're unhappy about something it's it's probably coming back to yourself so i mean even 
pe- people might say, you know, if someone's just following an algorithm and they're getting told exactly what to do on a Friday by a model, you know, is that any different to someone listening to my podcast and saying, Mark suggests this player from his watches is a good pick. You know, what's the difference if someone picks my watchless player or, you know, from Sertalp's optimization or whatever? So yeah. I, I think it's great. I think it's been a really interesting kind of addition over the last couple of years. And, I've, you know, and with, with more and more, I see analytic stuff popping up on my timeline. Uh, and I'm seeing even, you know, a lot of managers that I would have followed for a long, long time who would have played the game my way mm-hmm. have converted completely the other way. And now they just follow the models and, um, in a lot of cases are performing better so yeah i think it's i think it's great and uh anyone who complains about it or moans about it i just uh i probably just mute them on twitter <laughs> as a follow-up question so um you mentioned that you kind of listen analytics content like analytics podcasts and you're kind of keeping an eye on what the analytics guys are doing for things like maybe choosing the captain uh for your team or like making a transfer does it kind of uh impact your own decision making and then what do you do if the you know models oppose how you see it like if like it could be like in some cases you might have a strong opinion about a player then obviously you won't change your mind but for maybe 50 50 decisions do models uh affect your decision making maybe they would have um a couple of years ago when I was looking at, you know, maybe Mikel's and, and looking at FPL review, but because I don't look at them now on a, on a Friday, um, I've got a very much uh, like a tunnel vision view on my captaincy. Mm-hmm. Usually I, I've already chosen my captain on a, on a Sunday or a Monday mm-hmm. and very, very rarely uh-huh. will I change my, change my decision. And it's usually just, you know, for me, it's all about fixtures. Mm. Almost every decision I make, whether it's a, mm. a transfer, a wildcard squad or a captaincy, it's, it's fixtures first. Um, but then I think sometimes maybe I'm, I'm, I, I, maybe I don't give captaincy enough of my time. Um, I, I kind of do this thing where I pick my captain. I think that's it. I don't want to think about it again because then yeah. I can't change my mind at the last minute, but maybe last week was a good example. Um, game week eight, I decided at the start of the season, auto captain Haaland every week, no matter what. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you did it but, so far, I think. Yeah, every week so far. and then But then it gets to game week eight, and you think Haaland is playing Arsenal, mm. tough fixture. There's mm. no Rodri. Manchester City are not performing fantastically well. Yeah. And then you have uh, Hyungman Son, who is playing for a very informed Tottenham team, out of position, yeah. against a terrible Luton team. Yeah. I didn't give it much thought at all. And I think I maybe got lucky because... Chances are we play that game week a thousand times. I think Son might come out on top quite often because of the yeah. fixture. And I've contradicted myself there because I said almost everything I do is a fixtures decision. Mm. But I didn't do it with Haaland against okay. Arsenal when Son yeah. had had um, and Luton. So it's, it's something I'm going to try and bring into the rest of the season and just be a little bit more flexible on my on my auto-captain ca- auto Haaland approach because things change in FPL. You can have a player like Haaland who scores you know, 36 goals in a season. It doesn't mean he's going to score 36 again. Um, and again, Salah was a good example. I didn't own Salah last week, but if I owned him, I still think I would have captained Haaland, but I would have been punished when Salah got 30 points in a better fixture. So I think I, one of my reflections in the this international break is just to be just to be a little bit more careful with my own captaincy decisions mm. going forward. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's not easy. I tried to do what you did as well. I've been auto-captaining Haaland so far. But indeed, for the last game week, yeah, I couldn't ignore the game that Son had. Uh, also, again, knowing that, you know, it looks like City in general and also Haaland is struggling a little bit with their form. So I went for Son. So I gained two points, I think, over you. <laughs> Son had three points, Haaland had two. But uh, no, that's not what we wanted. But uh, it's a difficult one. And I, I think, like, even if you spend more time on it, like, you know, will it really change the outcome? I'm not sure. This is, you know, uh, looking at it last week, Salah, Haaland, Son, I think, yeah, it made sense to go for either of them. Um, yeah. But yeah. okay. Yeah. Try I to want to, yeah, I want to mention yeah. that we, we also yeah. discussed a little bit in the last episode, but I think models are uh, more fixture based than more than yeah. anything. So they kind of, you like, they suggest you players that is kind of like following the fixture difficulty more closely than, you know, yeah. what I, I will say the like grass uh, managers do. Uh, grass managers tend to get stuck on the, previous game week's points a lot. It's like, yeah. oh, this guy got 20 points? Yeah, I will right. have him or I will captain him. But fixtures, right. I think, matter more. So I agree on that, Mark. That's a good point. Okay. Well, okay. So we covered a lot about the data. Um, and I think you mentioned it earlier as well, uh, Mark. If, if you uh, if you just purely watch games, it's, it's quite difficult to, to see all of it. But... Yeah, if you want to be a good grass manager, I think that's probably what you need to do. You need to watch a lot of football. So, uh, yeah, how do you manage that? And, and how much football do you watch on average? Yeah, it's um, like I said earlier, I've always been quite lucky that I, I had a lot of time to watch yeah. a lot of games. Um, change recently, though, when you become a parent for the first time, yeah. you realize, <laughs> okay, I cannot watch every live game anymore. <laughs> I have uh, much other important things to do, but I've always been someone who, anyway, at a, at a weekend, I like to switch off on a Saturday. Like I am almost never online during the 3 p.m. games because it's it's too much chaos, too much uh, emotion. I try yeah. to switch off. So I'll quite often just record record the games maybe on, on Saturday and Sunday if right. I'm not going to be able to sit down and watch them. My wife's a teacher, so um, you know when, when she's working, she's off just now on maternity leave, but... In a norm at, at normal times when she's at work, I'm working all week. She's working all week, so we try and switch off at the weekends. That's the most important. Yeah. So yeah. then it would be like record some games Saturday, Sunday. Then while she's at work, you know Monday morning, Tuesday morning, I'll sit down and watch them. And I've always okay. kind of liked watching games after the fact because uh, you already know what's happened. Mm -hmm. You don't have the emotional roller coaster if you have some players <laughs> in that game. So yeah. I feel like you can analyze the game better when you know what's already happened. Uh, and you're not waiting for something to go wrong or something to go right. So, yeah. and you can also do it faster. You know, 90 minutes. You can do it in maybe 70 minutes. You skip the throw-ins right. and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, the replays and it's, it's just quicker. So, yeah, I still I still watch a lot. Um, usually in the UK we get about five, maybe five live games out of ten. So okay. it's always a maximum of five I would watch in a week. Okay. Um, but like I, I might end up watching a Sunday game on a Wednesday or Thursday because it's recorded and I, and I just yeah. don't have time. So, yeah, okay. it's um, it's not as many as before, but I, but I still try to get as many as possible. I don't I don't follow really, I don't really follow any other sports. I don't really even watch much Champions okay. League or 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 other other uh, ah. competition. So I, mm. I, it's very much a Premier League focus for me. So that gives me time right. to um, you know, quite often there there could be a big Champions League game on TV. But I'll be watching match of the day from, from the weekend <laughs> or, or something else. So I, that that helps. That helps when I don't have other distractions. Yeah, 
That's interesting. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, very clear. Um, yeah. And in this part, we, we usually always focus a lot on, on analytics, even though, you know, I always try to calm Sir top down a bit, but that's, that's not so easy. Um, but yeah, since uh, we do talk a lot about analytics and you're in the pod today, so maybe do you have any questions for us? Any Anything that maybe you found difficult to understand or, you know, always wanted to know more about? And of course, if you do have any questions, I'll just ask Sirtop to answer in this case. <laughs> yeah, I was having to think about this today. And to be honest, I, I don't I don't really have anything that we okay. haven't already covered this week. And like I said, because I've listened to almost every episode of this, I've mm-hmm. I've learned everything already. Okay, uh, well. And again, just want to thank you for that because it's been it's been it's been actually a quite n- nice journey as a listener. Um as someone who knew absolutely nothing about optimization and, and all that kind of stuff, I've yeah. I've learned a lot and you know we've had some good guests and stuff. So um no, all bases are covered. The the one thing I did want to ask you, I already asked you earlier about kind of you know difficult decisions if if there's a player you know, I, I asked you the Mbumo example about, you know, maybe poor form, but the, the model is is suggesting them. But again, maybe another question, you know, do you find it difficult when, let's say there's a player that you mm. absolutely hate. They are a tro- FPL troll when you own them. They only score when you don't own them. And then, for example, it comes to wildcard time and the, yeah, Reese James, the, the wildcard, the wildcard is suggesting them. Do you, do you again... Do you sometimes go against the model or are you very much always strict by following what the, what it says? Hmm. I mean, I'm kind of an emotional person, so I hmm. kind of find sometimes difficult to just follow what the model is saying. Sometimes it takes a few days for me to accept that this is what I'm going to do. Even though I know that this guy is a troll, the model is saying uh, this. So I often try to find an excuse not to buy the player. So I just check some additional stuff. But it, if everything looks good, like if model is saying that, yeah, I mean, you need to buy Reese James, Chelsea has a good chance of getting a clean sheet and James will is fit, for example, I, I suppose. And I don't know, like if I can find any like logical reason not to buy him maybe like he's too expensive and then he's blocking another midfielder then i will probably yeah i will show it as an excuse not not to buy him but i often side with the model uh, because i feel like my own bias is getting in my way of playing Mm. better if i just don't buy him because i think he's a troll i mean yeah at the end of the things uh so there's a chance of him blanking. That's true. Like while on my team, so but if he has really good fixtures and the chance of blanking is low, and then I, yeah, I really can't find a reason not to buy him uh, or buy those kind of players. So the short answer is I often follow model, but uh. it is not as easy as saying that yeah I I have full trust in model and I will always follow it. It's more like. Yeah, I, I know model is right, but is there anything that maybe I can do to avoid this <laughs> this kind of players? Uh, okay, yeah, uh, it's just great one, to hear. Sorry, uh, one more, one more thing. Yeah, just when we're sure. on the top, sorry, Bas, one on the topic of no, no, questions for, for top. I like picking the brains of an analytics manager. I don't get to do that <laughs> very often. Uh, I guess it, one, <laughs> one of the reasons why I guess things like FPL review didn't really grip me and I don't like follow them religiously is because there's often things I don't agree with. And I think one of them is the, 
the models often like the premium goalkeepers. So mm. my question to you again is, you went for Allison on your game week eight wildcard. Uh, and for me, when I've played FPL for a long time, and I think a lot of grass FC managers would say 4.5 million goalkeepers are better. Uh, and I think the Allison example for me is, I always think, okay, the model might tell me to get a premium goalkeeper, but straight away my FPL brain says, what if I want an extra 1 million later for a transfer? Um, and also, I guess, Liverpool example as well. If I get Alisson, I've got Salah. What right. if Trent becomes essential? What if Darwin comes essential? You know, I can't get that triple up then. So yeah. did you have any doubts over Alisson or was it, again, easy just to follow what the model said? Yeah, that's the problem with the premium goalkeepers. You're right. I mean, you are uh, the premium goalkeeper means that you are getting one less less outfield players from the you know favorable teams like Liverpool, Manchester mm. City, and it is often a worry. Yeah, I I agree that it it is usually the only holdup for me when I'm buying a premium goalkeeper. But in this case, I knew that I wasn't going to buy. A second Liverpool player because Darwin doesn't mm. have the minutes or the you know it's less reliable and mm-hmm. Alexander Arnold was a little bit expensive so that yeah. I was actually able to you know get a better overall team by sp- skipping him. Model was suggesting Robertson, but uh, that meant that I won't be able to get Arsenal midfielders easily, so or I need to get lucky with the pricing. Um, mm. So I didn't want to risk it. I wanted to be able to get uh, to Arsenal mids easily. So I dropped Robertson in the first place. Then, knowing that I only have one Liverpool player, Salah, I said, and the model was suggesting Ellison uh, to get lots of uh, points. I said, yeah. I mean, I didn't have a hold up really. But if I had a second Liverpool player, if and if I was filling the Liverpool spots with Ellison. That might have been a consideration, yes. But in this case, yeah. I thought, okay. Yeah, I think that was... Because I, I, I heard yourself and James talking about Robertson last week. And it, um, I think that's a good thought process that you thought, you know, Alisson's cheaper than Robertson and then just makes things a little bit more flexible. So you're, mm-hmm. you you definitely... You wanted to tap into Liverpool's good fixtures. You want the clean sheets, but you want to try and get them as, right. as cheap as possible. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. And again, there's... There's no right or wrong way to play FPL, so I'll be I'll be watching closely to see how the you know the premium yeah. goalkeepers perform because mm. you could end up on top over the people who have a Ariola, for example, or a or a four point five million goalkeeper. And and again, people I think people forget when you pick a premium goalkeeper, you don't have to have them forever. You can always you can always yeah. change, especially if you have two free transfers. Mm-hmm. If you need to free up some cash, people are maybe afraid sometimes to make goalkeeper transfers, but yeah, it's the same as any other position, isn't it? If you need the cash, you can always downgrade. Yeah. Yeah, and this reminds me very much of all the Ederson discussions we had last season. <laughs> actually, yeah, my plan <laughs> is to actually replace Ellison with Ederson at one point. Really? Because the city oh, will man. get the double, right? After the 18 blank, they will get ah, a double. Yeah. So there yeah. will be a good time That's to true. switch from Ellison to Ederson, is what okay. I'm thinking. But yeah, we will wow. see. We will see what the model says. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it was great to hear, Mark, that when you said that you that you learned a lot uh, about analytics from this part, because in the end, you know that that's one of our objectives to mm-hmm. to increase a bit the the awareness and the appreciation for analytics in general. So uh, that, that that's nice to hear. Thanks a lot. All right, uh, for the next and also final part of our discussion, we also would like to talk a bit about yeah your role as a popular FPL content creator. 
And one thing I was wondering about, purely out of interest, is how it works to be a professional FPL content creator in, in terms of you know where the revenue is coming from. And of course, without going into amounts uh, or, or you know too much detail, but more in terms of, of sources, like I suppose Patreon and, and also sponsorships play a big role for you? Yeah, so um, going back, I, I think we, we, myself, my wife, we got married in 2018 and in the summer okay. of 2018 and then i decided to go full-time fpl the in the august of 2018 so at yeah. the time you know things were going well with the twitter account the podcast was popular i was doing bits yeah. and pieces of of you know written content elsewhere and stuff and it was a uh, it was i was able able to take the plunge because i didn't have a mortgage at the time mm -hmm. didn't have kids mm -hmm. at the time you know, my mm -hmm. living costs were quite low mm -hmm. and my wife was quite supportive. She says, you know, just try it at the end of the world if it doesn't work out. I, I have yeah. a I have a business degree uh, and I was doing a little bit of teaching for two years as well, but oh. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my, you know, career-wise. I was going mm -hmm. around in circles, different jobs, you know, stacking shelves in supermarkets, selling trainers in, in sports shops and stuff. And I just said, look, I'll just go for it and see what happens. Um, nice. 2018, it started out quite slowly. I think maybe... maybe I say slowly, but maybe 250 Patreon subscribers oh, wow. at the start, which was a, a good a good start, yeah, but obviously good, so. probably not enough to you know no. pay all your bills and everything else. But yeah. you just build on it slowly, slowly. Uh, five years later, I think it's something like 1,600 or 1,700 subscribers now. So it's it's taken nice. a while, but it's um it's 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 at a really good level now. So my when it comes to income, um at the moment it's very basic. It's I have two forms of income. I have Patreon. And I have yep. the Fantasy Football Scout uh, took over the podcast. Um, right. So I do like the podcast is, is sponsored by Fantasy Football Scout. I also do some written content for them and some YouTube yep. content. So it's kind of one big package. Yeah. Um, and But Patreon's the main thing. Patreon is okay. probably probably 75% of my income, I would say. Okay. Um, nice. And again, over the years, you do some little bits and pieces elsewhere. You know, you might do right. some adverts and stuff. Uh, on yeah. Twitter, but sure. I, you know I'm not doing any of that at the moment. Maybe one or two in preseason, uh, but thankfully I don't really need to do much of that anymore. And I only really do adverts that I, you know, things that I actually use or I play right. or you know other fancy games and stuff like that. And then yeah. a little bit of TV, which brings in you know a little bit, not not too much, but it's okay. TV is 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 more about exposure. It's it's yeah. and it's just a you know it's a nice thing to do. It's 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 cool. pretty cool to be on TV and, right. and talk about FPL. So yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's, it's basically the podcast and the Patreon is is the nice. it's where the where the moolah comes from. Great, yeah. And I recently became a Patreon subscriber. So I should have done it earlier, actually, because you know I've been uh, benefiting from your content for so long. No, oh, I appreciate I that. Thank like, you. Yeah, because I think it's like what is it, three three euros a month? So for me, you know, you don't really notice it. I'm lucky to say. <laughs> I think for most people, probably, but for you, you know, it adds up, right? Uh, she yeah. said, if you have a few hundred or a few thousands of people paying three three euros a month that that that's great so yeah maybe uh a shout out or let's say a call to action for people listening and also enjoying the content from the general uh check out this patreon page cheers sir top over to you uh yes my question is about like toxicity in general uh, with such a big following, obviously, you should be getting mm. some negative comments, especially after bad game weeks. Um, I had my share uh, like two seasons ago when I was doing really well. 
and then uh, there were like lots of like negative comments in general that you know people like anti analytics people were there uh, like criticizing how we play the game and how we are ruining the game as I mentioned before. But um, for you, like how do you deal with these kind of uh, like negative comments in general and like you have lots of lots of followers so there should be a significant amount of people that you see maybe every game week or every other game week yeah so I absolutely love that I can call FPL my job I'm very very lucky mm-hmm. but I also absolutely hate social media but I also <laughs> need but I also need to be there for no. for my job so it's um it all it becomes about how you manage it. Um, you know, for example, on a personal level, you know, I don't have I don't have a personal Instagram or Facebook, Snapchat, mm-hmm. TikTok. I don't do any of that personally. Okay. So any social media I use, it's for it's for work. It's for FPL. So Twitter, Instagram. I think there's a Threads account as well. It's but it's very much I. It, it's obviously very nice to have a big following, but I also miss the days where I had. 2000 followers because then you can actually interact with people you can right. see every mention uh, and you can reply to every message now it's obviously impossible you have to manage your work life balance if i reply to every dm you know i would never be away from my phone or my laptop so it's <laughs> i always feel bad not replying to people but i also hope people understand it's just impossible to do so because i'm i'm one human being and i and i need to prioritize obviously other areas of my life so there's always been I think if you forget about FPL, social media, Twitter, X, or whatever it's called, there's always there's always negativity. People use it to vent their life's frustrations, and FPL content creators can become easy targets for that. Yeah. Um, but it just becomes about managing it. It's There is a mute fun- function, there is a block function, and yeah. I probably use those now more than I ever have before. Um, I just, I always, you know, even if someone just puts a, a negative comment under a podcast link or something, straight away, I just think to myself, now, if you don't have something nice to say, you don't really deserve to see my tweet. So I just block and okay. yes, people will get offended and they'll set up another Twitter account or reply from a different Twitter account <laughs> and call you everything. But uh, eventually they go quiet. But to be honest, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been lucky. I haven't really had much negativity at all over the years. Right. Um, and I guess right. it's just the nature of I don't really, you know, tweet that much. It's kind of less is more for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the time, you know, to manage my social media as well, I sometimes I'll put a tweet out and I just mute the tweet because if you're going to get 200 replies on a tweet, you don't want to spend your time. You know, you're going to waste a lot of time in your life just reading replies. So mm-hmm. I don't read everything that people reply to me because that's just a healthy way to manage things um only if it's a genuine interesting topic that i want to see the replies that's what i will read so um yeah it just becomes about managing things and and just using mute and block it's a tiny tiny percentage i think overall my experience i think i'm approaching about 10 years on fpl twitter and my overall experience has been really good when you compare it to some other areas of of social media i think Mm -hmm. the, the community overall is is really really good Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a healthy approach. And uh, while talking a bit more about these content channels, uh, you know, I, what I saw, I, I see you quite active on Twitter in terms of you have a large, uh, large group of followers. And of course, I also know you have the podcast, but I didn't realize you're also on YouTube, to be honest. I just saw it uh, preparing for this pod. 
So how do you look at that mix of channels and, and where do you spend most time? Yeah, again, it comes back to um, if I if I could clone myself and have five versions of <laughs> FPL General, you know, one for Twitter, one for Instagram, one for YouTube, then then I probably wouldn't be here. I'd be on a yacht or something because things would be things would be even better. But it's difficult. I've always found that I've liked the approach of kind of being you know really active or 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 have a you know really good one you know on one platform yeah really focused like 90 yeah. percent of my time on one platform yeah. and then maybe just a sprinkling of some of the others because i think it's impossible to be everywhere um yes. and i would rather have like one platform that you really like and you really engage with rather than trying to be on five different platforms yeah. so twitter has always been my thing And obviously, a lot of FPL managers use Twitter. So that's what I focus on. Uh, I haven't really done that much YouTube over the years. I've always been very tempted to go down that path mm. and maybe start putting out weekly videos, maybe some weekly live streams. You know, people like Andy are are absolutely smashing it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But again, it comes down to time. Um, yeah. I think YouTube's a very big commitment if you want to do it properly. I think you need to be very consistent with, you know, a couple of videos a week and, and live streams. Mm -hmm. And it's, I just can't commit to that because I'm doing other things with the podcast and, and family life yeah. and everything. So I would like okay. to be everywhere. Um, so it's quite nice this year with this fancy football scout. It's like a one weekly video with David and it's really enjoyable. It's, it's, okay. it works for me because I don't have to, you know, edit it or, or anything like that. I just turn mm -hmm. up. We have a good chat for an hour and then I can just get on with other things. So yeah, Great. I would like to do more YouTube, but it's just a time thing. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. And I think that's the uh, last question for me today is, yeah. uh, what would be your kind of expectation or request from analytics focused managers and content creators? And I'm asking this in the way of uh, maybe, you know, sometimes people come and say that we are maybe don't explain some of the stuff we use like we sometimes talk a little bit cryptic among ourselves so people are, get a little bit curious so i especially try to be accessible by everyone i try to explain what i'm doing but as a i will say as a grass manager or eye test manager what do you kind of expect from analytics managers in general I think I think you're doing a I think you're doing a, a good job a great job. Um, like I said, I, d I didn't have any questions for you today about analytics or optimization or anything because I've I've been listening and I've been understanding it. I guess it's um, for anybody who has an analytics focused podcast, uh, it's it's probably just always keeping in mind that there are probably people like me who are mm. not analytics managers, but they are interested or they may end up converting. To being mm -hmm. a more analytics-minded manager in the future. So, if there is, you know, certain words or certain phrases that maybe you guys would be comfortable using with each other, but if if the everyday manager who hasn't maybe done optimization or used models before, it's, it's just keeping yeah. it clear and just rem remembering that it's not always analytics managers that are listening. But like I said, mm -hmm. you guys are you're doing a great job, and yeah, hopefully we do see uh, more and more of it because, like I said, the, the more different ways people play this game, the better the better the game yeah. is overall. Right. Yeah, and I, that's probably my role then, because I often I don't understand Ceratops. <laughs> that's why the that's why the podcast works so well because Bass <laughs> is basically representing us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Um, 
So that's great. Thanks a lot for the whole discussion. And yeah, let's let's just finish with some reflection on our ambition for the rest of the season, uh, considering our OR at the moment. And yeah, you could debate how important it is at this time of the season. But uh, yeah, where do you aim to finish, Mark? Yeah, it's. Um, I think I always struggle with this question every season. Uh, some seasons I'll have a very specific target. Okay. Other seasons I'll say I just want to enjoy the game, whatever happens. But I think... Yeah. If we're serious about FPL, we always want to try and get a, a good rank or or win certain mini leagues. So there is there is probably one or two mini leagues that I'm I'm quite uh, I, I want to win them, and it's mainly because the people I play against they really want to beat me, and they don't take FPL as seriously as I do. So it's always oh, yeah. not fun to lose to someone no. who doesn't put as much time in as you do. Um, so many leagues like that probably come first, and then overall rank, I. Like like most managers, I always tried to go for top 10K. Uh, mm, that was always yeah. the benchmark. I've kind of, yeah. in my mind, I think top 50K, top 100K now is a, is a brilliant season, given given how many good managers there are out there uh, and all the, yeah. the the resources they have. So I think I always have like a loose plan or, or a loose goal, top 100K by Christmas if I can, and then push on as, as best as possible second half of the season. So I think in the last 10 seasons... I think it's nine top 50K. So I think 50K is kind of always my target because of that. Right. Um, but obviously, it's been it's been actually quite a long time since I had a top 1K. I had, I think, three top 1Ks in four years, but it's going back maybe 2016, 17, maybe, mm-hmm. as the last time. So yeah. if I can even get back there once more, that would be that would be pretty nice. So for hopefully, yeah. hopefully this can be the season. Great. Yeah. And for you, Sir Top? Uh, yeah, I same. Like it's difficult to answer, you know, what the target is in general. But um, I was thinking about what would make me happy is making, you know, passing my previous record of like three thousand four hundred. I mean, if I can finish above that, that's pretty unlikely, especially this season. But that would make me happy, like improving my best uh, overall rank. But okay. at the same time, I'm not too focused on it like even if i don't finish i think it's unlikely that i will finish above but um so i'm just trying to a little bit of have fun in general especially this season mm-hmm. uh, i'm trying to not get too stuck on fpl especially yeah. <laughs> over weekends so like mm-hmm. whatever rank i get i mean if i finish within 100k that's great but if not then right. that's not end of the world how about you boss all right yeah, well, for me, you know, I'm now at 4.1 million, sad but true. So, you know, I just want to focus on getting some green arrows and improving first to get back closer to the 1 million mark. And ultimately, I really, uh, yeah, I want to still go for that top 100k finish because uh, I never was able to do that yet, believe it or not. So that's still my ambition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you yeah, know, I'm still the casual manager. So <laughs> that's that's for a reason. Um but okay, let's see. Season is not over yet. Yeah. But for today, the episode is over. So Mark, I really would like to thank you once more. Uh, you were the first FPL podcast I started listening to several years ago now, uh, not knowing that I would be hosting uh, or co-hosting an FPL podcast myself. So it was really a big pleasure to meet you in person and to have this uh, discussion with you here today. Any uh, final words maybe you want to share? 
No, just to say, I I really really enjoyed that. That's probably one of my favorite guest appearances on a podcast. So, um, like I said, it's always I always find it a bit strange talking to people who I listen to every week. I, I need to remind <laughs> myself to actually reply to the questions rather than just listening. So, uh, no, thank you, absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it, and and just keep up the good work. Great, we'll try that. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks. So I'll close it. This was FPL Optimized Podcast, episode number sixty-one. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the international break and good luck for your national teams. Uh, we'll be back with a regular episode next week. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll get notified when the next episode is released. And do follow us on Twitter. For Surtop, it's at Surtop below. For me, it's at Belfi BB. And for Mark, it's at FPL General. And you can also find FPL Optimize now on YouTube. So if you want to know how we look like, <laughs> you can go there. And until next time, stay curious and stay analytical. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>